Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the FT's U.S. Election Countdown podcast. I'm Dimitri Sevastopilo, Washington Bureau Chief. And I'm Neil Munchie in New York. Uh, so, Dimitri, we had a pretty busy week on the campaign with the aftermath of the Dallas shootings and the lead up to next week's Republican convention. Uh, but big news right now are reports that uh, Indiana Governor Mike Pence may have been chosen by Donald Trump as his running mate. And you were just in Indiana for a rally in which it seemed like a bit of a tryout for Governor Pence. It was. So Trump has basically been looking at a few people um, in the final uh, hurdle before he announces his VP. Uh, He's been looking at Mike Pence, who's the Indiana governor, who's a socially conservative politician. Um, He's been looking at Newt Gingrich, who's the former Republican Speaker of the House, who's more of a uh, uh, kind of a heavyweight in Washington, but somewhat unpredictable. And he's been looking at Chris Christie, the New Jersey governor, um, who's an abrasive former prosecutor and was one of the 16 rivals to Trump in the Republican primary. Now, Pence had his tryout on Tuesday night in Westfield, Indiana. Um, He's a former radio talk show host, and he used some of those skills that night. He kind of G'd up the crowd and um, showed a little bit more charisma than he's known for. Um, He lauded Donald Trump very heavily. He criticized Hillary Clinton, uh, attacked her quite badly, performed the kind of role that he will have if he's the VP during the four months of the campaign. But it's an interesting choice by Trump because Pence is also has been a pro-trade Republican, and Donald Trump is obviously running on a anti-free trade, anti-free trade deal platform. So it's going to be interesting to see the two uh, campaign together if uh, Pence does end up being the final choice. So they've they've had some differences. Uh, you know, some folks online had some fun going through Pence's Twitter feed. And one of the things they also found uh, was earlier this year, he he called Trump's proposed ban on Muslim immigration unconstitutional. How do you think they'll reconcile these differences on the campaign trail? That's going to be one of the really interesting questions. I mean, Pence is going to have to uh, justify a few things like that. One is him him saying that Trump was wrong about trying to ban Muslims. Um, I'm sure he'll come up with a stock answer that he'll repeat over and over again until people stop asking him the question. He also will have to explain again why he has been pro-trade. Uh, you know, he's led trade missions to China, for example, last year and how that jibes with what uh, Donald Trump is saying. Um, you know, and he's also, he's a very pro-life, anti-abortion uh, Republican, and he'll probably be asked about Donald Trump's views in the past that um, a woman should have a right to choose, which is not what Donald Trump says today, by the way. Um, so how he answers these questions is going to be very interesting. And, uh, you know, the Clinton campaign, I'm sure, is going to attack him very heavily for being a hypocrite. It's worth pointing out that on Tuesday, when he introduced Trump at the rally, he said that clearly the country was ready for change and that there was no question that Donald Trump was the person who could most bring in that change. 
but several months ago, Mike Pence endorsed Ted Cruz, the Texas senator who was running against Trump. So, you know, there's lots of contradictions there. But I think at the end of the day, it's politics. And uh, he will try and explain his way out of all of these things. So, you know, you mentioned Ted Cruz. He is one of Trump's rivals who does have a slot speaking at the convention next week. But quite a few of them and quite a few other prominent Republicans aren't showing up. Yeah, the convention uh, is normally a place where uh, high-profile Republicans are all jockeying to get a primetime television speaking slot so they can boast their career. Um, you know, everyone wants to be seen as a friend of the nominee. It helps them in their business. It helps them in politics. But this year, we're seeing completely the opposite. I mean, most of the party luminaries, whether it's the two former Bush presidents, Jeb Bush, the former Florida governor, you know, John McCain and Mitt Romney, the two past nominees for the Republican Party, they're all staying home. And there are many uh, establishment Republicans who don't want to be um, tainted uh, by appearing with Donald Trump because they don't agree with what he's saying. And I, I mean, how did you see the list of people who are uh, attending and supposed to speak? Uh, it's, I think, you know, it seemed like there were a handful of reality TV stars, some sports stars, including uh, Tim Tebow the uh, conservative Christian quarterback who sort of flamed out of the NFL, but not a lot of sort of heavy-hitting Republican orthodoxy sorts. No, that's right. I mean, there's the two or three that are there. I mean, Scott Walker, the Wisconsin governor who also ran for president but dropped out very early on, um, and uh, obviously Ted Cruz we mentioned. But we don't know how strongly they're going to endorse Trump. I mean, it's good for them to be there in the sense that they get a lot of national uh, attention uh, on television. And if they want to run for president in 2020, it's not a bad platform to have. But that may be why they're doing it. And we don't know if they'll come up on the stage and endorse uh, Donald Trump um, in the kind of way that he would probably like. So, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of the convention is going to be fascinating to see these people up on stage and you know, how strong an endorsement they give to Trump. Um, we're also going to see a lot of Trump's family members up on stage. Uh, Melania Trump, his wife, who doesn't speak in public uh, very often, will speak. Ivanka Trump, his daughter, will be there. His sons are going to speak. So it's going to be a lot of Trump on the stage. I think it's going to be a very different convention to what people have witnessed in the past. But one one other noticeable um, absence is Sarah Palin. You know, the former Alaska governor, she'd come out uh, and endorse Donald Trump fairly early on, but doesn't appear to be on the list. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Now, I was in Iowa at a rally the night when Sarah Palin endorsed Donald Trump. And he was clearly delighted that she had done it because she brought a certain part of the Republican Party behind him and, and gave a lot of energy. But she spoke for an awful long time, and you could see that Trump was getting visibly uncomfortable on stage. Now, in contrast, on Tuesday night when Trump and uh, Pence were in Indiana, Pence was given about four or five minutes, maybe six minutes to speak, and then he was ushered off the stage and, and Trump held forth for about an hour. So Sarah Palin not being there is interesting. Um, but as with everything in the Trump campaign, uh, you know, there's there's surprises every day and it's getting hard to be surprised. But one of, the, one of the things that Trump has been talking about, which is interesting in the last few days, is he's been pitching himself as the law and order candidate. Now, you were down in Dallas after the uh, tragic shootings of the police last week. How do you think Trump is playing this issue? How does he compare it to Hillary Clinton? Well, I think, you know, he gave a much more sober response at the beginning than he had been criticized for giving after the Orlando shooting when he was seen as giving sort of a self-congratulatory um, message. 
In this case, he took sort of the middle road, calling it a tragedy, hailing police officers, but also calling the deaths of two black men that precipitated the uh, the rally at which those police officers were shot. Uh, he called them senseless. He called them tragic, uh, which is not what you'd expect to hear from Donald Trump. I think Hillary Clinton responded in the way you might have expected her to, which is, um, you know, sober and addressing issues of systemic racism, which is also interesting that Donald Trump calls himself the law and order candidate because that has echoes in Richard Nixon's campaign and segregationist Governor George Wallace's presidential campaign in 1968, another year of civil and racial strife. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think one of the things that's playing into all of this is the poll ratings. What's interesting is if you look over the last few days, uh, polls have come out showing Trump actually ahead in some of the key states, the swing states, Florida, Pennsylvania, very close, if not tied to Clinton in Ohio. Uh, and the national poll numbers show that Clinton's lead is shrinking. She's had a bad few weeks because of the email scandal when the head of the FBI came out and said that she'd been extremely careless in the way she handled secret information. Trump, on the other hand, is pivoting from being uh, kind of wild and unpredictable to being slightly more presidential on the campaign trail. And so I think you're seeing that this race is probably a lot tighter right now than uh, people imagined a month ago when Donald Trump was having a, a lot of problems and his campaign looked like it may be imploding. I think things have changed and, and now we're in for a very heated summer and heated fall. And I think, you know, it, what's interesting about those poll figures, some of the things that, that stuck out there were the racial breakdowns, which sort of speaks to one of the overarching issues this year. Um, but Donald Trump polled at 0% in Pennsylvania and Ohio of the black vote, which with the margin of error could mean he's at negative three. That kind of racial polarization, how do you think that plays out in the fall? And to that point, you know, you've been to a lot of Donald Trump rallies. How does it play out with his with his supporters? Well, it's pretty clear that while there are a handful of African-Americans who turn up at each Donald Trump rally, uh, they're far and few between. And I think it looks like he's going to struggle to get any kind of serious support from the African-American community in most parts of the U.S. Uh, on the other hand, it's also unlikely that Clinton is going to get the level of support that Barack Obama got in 2008 and 2012, which is, you know, one of one of the uh, things that catapulted him to the White House, not the only thing by any means. And so I think there's going to be very interesting to see how both candidates play for that group of voters. And we're just going to have to watch and see how, you know, how Donald Trump moderates his language. I mean, he after you had the two shootings of the black men in Minnesota and, and Louisiana, after they were uh, in one case pulled over um, at a routine traffic stop, you know Donald Trump has also tried to pitch himself as a as a compassionate person who's tough on security but compassionate. So he's trying to, I think, play both sides of this argument, and um, you know we'll see how the poll numbers play in the next few weeks and months. But. That's it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be at the convention next week and the week after for the Democrats in Philadelphia, so tune in then. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm uh, Dimi, that's D-I-M-I, and Neil is at Neil Munchi, N-E-I-L-M-U-N-S-H-I. Great. And uh, you can also sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, White House Countdown, at ft.com forward slash N-B-E. That stands for News by Email. 
That's ft.com forward slash NBE. And make sure you download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. This podcast was produced and edited by Amy King. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.